Hello everyone, I'm Dana Stewart-Bullock and this is Transformational Therapeutics. In today's podcast, I will be talking about transformation. I will, of course, first define it and then talk about how to see transformation in a whole new way, a way that originates in the definition of transformation itself. The word transformation is obviously about changing the form of something. This is primarily changing the form of our emotions through broadening our definition of language. When we apply this broadened definition of language, we change the form of our emotions, our actual physiology, and the outcomes we want to transform in the world. It also helps transform our relationships with ourselves and with others. For example, changing the form of our emotions from something that is suppressed to something that we are conscious of, which then changes how it functions in our lives. Or, changing the definition of a feeling state we find ourselves in, thereby opening up options for new feeling states to emerge. So today, Rebecca and I will be talking about transformation. Welcome. Hi, Rebecca. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm great, and I'm so excited about this topic. How does this apply to your model? I see transformation as a therapeutic tool, actually. That's why it's called transformational therapeutics. In that transforming, you can change an outcome of a dysfunction of just about anything. And by using language and changing the form of language, you get a different outcome. And redefining something changes the form of what you're looking at. For instance, if you're changing the form of anger into fear or grief, that gives you something to address than if you're just addressing anger. And it gives you power, so it gives you a different outcome. And the whole point is to feel power in anything so that you can get a new outcome and change. How do you go about transforming anger or emotion? Most emotions that we have come from really early in our upbringing. And anger is usually a response to feeling threatened. Unless in this day and age, you're literally being threatened by someone with a weapon or some sort of violence, there's really no logical reason to be angry. And I found that underneath most anger is fear or grief. Most people go to anger because it's more comfortable than actual feeling of a grief or a fear. So if I'm angry at you, if we're having a discussion or an argument, I want to change the form of it. And by changing the form of it, it gives me power in the back and forth. And I do that by looking around and actually looking and asking myself, am I really in danger? Are you coming at me with a knife? Are you tying me down? Are you whatever would make someone angry? They've done research which shows that a newborn or close to newborn will demonstrate, uh, it's called aggression, but it's a form of anger if its arms are tied. So we're, we're born wired that way. And so knowing that, I will look at myself, because I find it empowers me if I'm feeling uncomfortable or if I'm in an argument with somebody, and ask myself, are they tying my arms? And if they're not tying my arms, then I'm tying my own arms by being angry. What other way can I see this? So that's how it changes things and transforms them. So what you're saying is when you're experiencing anger in an argument, it can lead to a place of powerlessness. You're feeling powerless in this. And most anger is a reaction to feeling powerless. Mm -hmm. So it's a reaction to an internal feeling of powerlessness. 
So it's a reaction to feeling powerless, which also creates a feeling of powerlessness. Yeah. Using your model to transform that powerlessness into feeling empowered, you would go about seeing what else is here, what's underneath this. Well, let's, for instance, imagine that I'm having an argument with you and I'm feeling angry. If I know that anger is a cover for another emotion, and if you're not threatening me, why am I angry? Well, I'm probably angry because you're not hearing me. And that makes me feel powerless. That, however, is a feeling. How can I change that powerless feeling into something more powerful? So I'm transforming powerlessness into powerfulness. There is such a word. And so I look at myself, not at you, but at myself, and try to understand where this feeling comes from. I don't have to analyze it right then and there. I just have to know that you're not threatening me and there's no reason for me to be angry. And then I can change my state, my physiological state, so that anger is replaced with another state and allows the two of us to go in a different direction in our interaction. Which can create connection through empowered Absolutely. And when I empower myself to speak to you differently, that also empowers you. How so? On some level, I'm leading you down a different path. Because if we're going anger at anger, and I change it to something else, the interaction is transformed. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that's the whole point. Unless I really like just being angry and want to go back and forth. Personally, I find that useless. I'm interested in growth and empowerment. Sure. And that's what the whole model is about. It's about, the, about empowerment and growth. Even if you are caught in a loop of enjoying the feeling of anger, you said it that the reason why anger can feel more comfortable than fear or grief is because it's almost like a false sense of power. So by using your model, even someone who could feel like they want to be angry might start to question that too. Might say, hmm, maybe there's more going on here and I have more available to me. And there's almost always more going on and we almost always have more available. It's just really about changing the form of how we're seeing. Right, and this model creates the pathway yes. to open up all the doors that we do have available to us that we might be missing in a cloud of powerlessness or anger. And it gives us choice. And for me, choice is the basis of empowerment. If you have a choice in anything, then you have power. And ultimately, the choice that you have, if you have no other choice, is to change how you perceive something. And then as you demonstrated, simply by doing that, you change your state, you change the connection between the person, you might also then change the other person. And you change the outcome of the interaction you will change the other person's state also. How else can you transform relationships? So I think you change the form of a relationship by changing yourself and how you see it and how you see yourself within it. And you start by looking at the physiological state that it engenders in you and deciding whether or not that's what you really want. And knowing that you have a choice to change that by changing how you see it. And it really comes down to us working on ourselves. Do you have an example of a relationship that you've been a part of? 
Well, that's where the symbolic language comes in. Yes, I will look at someone that I'm having a hard time with in a relationship and ask myself whom they represent in my past. Because I look at something that has a charge in me. If it creates a charge in me in terms of relating to someone, then it's something that I have not resolved within myself. Well, I tend to use people in relationships for my own growth. So I'm watching what's happening in my own physiology as I'm interacting with someone. And if it feels not good or if it has a charge, it gives me the opportunity to transform myself in that moment or later. I may just park it in my inbox and transform it later. One of the main relationships that I have been able to change is with my horses. I have two Mustangs and a burro. And I'm realizing recently that my Mustangs are an absolute mirror of me in terms of their state. So when I change my state and relax myself, reduce my tension, they get softer and they change totally. That's one way that I use other beings to regulate myself, to see where I'm off. How did you get there with your horses? What made you decide... Or what was happening that pushed you to tune inward and soften and transform your own self before going into interacting with them? I've been working on this for a long time. I've taken classes on it. But more recently, my horse was injured. And I realized that I was very stressed out. And she was picking up on my stress level. And I felt very out of control. And she's a big girl. And I had to figure out a way to interact with her that calmed her down. And then I realized I could only do that by calming myself down. And one of the people who helped me with that is I have a friend, a Navajo horse whisperer, and he said to me, just stand and breathe before you interact with her at all. And breathe deeply and relax yourself, Dana. You're part of her herd. And so I did that, and it changed her totally. And then I just built on that. So that was transforming my relationship with her mm. and with myself because I was very stressed out about her injury. And just in terms of reducing my stress rate, I was able to reduce hers. And I think that contributes to faster healing. How do you transform your own physiology using your model? I, first of all, see everything as learning and everyone as a teacher. That's a baseline from which I function. So if I am calm, for instance, and I interact with somebody and I become not calm or stressed out, that to me provides a feedback loop and information for me. And that person becomes my teacher about my own physiology. And so I can then calm myself right then and there or put it in my inbox, like I said before, and work on it later. It's really about regulating myself in an interaction with somebody else, using them as a feedback loop. And then I'll use my own physiology as a feedback loop and ask myself, why did that person stress me out? And actually, the real question is, why did I get stressed out in the presence of that person? Because nobody else can make me feel stressed. That's up to me. We all produce our own stress, and we're all responsible for our own physiology. So I see my state my physiological state, my feeling state, as a feedback loop for me. By seeing everything as a teacher creates opportunity for transformation for you. Yes. And that in your physiology, in relationships, 
in your emotional state, which really describes everything you've talked about so far. If you feel anger, you see it as almost a teacher. Yes. What is this anger telling me? Right. What's underneath it? Right. And then I also, it may not look like it in the moment, but I also see everything as information. So my body's giving me information. The interaction is giving me information about myself and about the situation. And once I have information, if I take the emotion out of it or the stress level out of it and just look at it as information, then I can change it from a non-stress place. And that changes my actual wiring in my brain, my actual physiology. It takes a lot of repetition, but mm. it does work. Yeah. What do you mean by it may not look like it in the moment? Because depending on how habituated we are to certain states, it may take repeated attempts to change over time. I mean, it's experiential. I believe all learning is experiential. And so to experience a change of state and then to reproduce it in another situation, which may be similar to the original, gives me the opportunity to practice. It's all really about learning and practice to grow myself. So in the moment, it may feel overwhelming. How do you make the decision to see this overwhelming experience as a teacher in the moment? Do you send it aside? Do you tackle it in the moment? Do you come back later? What do you do? Well, when I originally started this, I set it aside because I couldn't do it in the moment. I've become more skilled. And there's a quote that I will take credit for, which is fundamental, I believe. And it is development of the observer is the first act of empowerment. So the ability to observe yourself in different situations, it gives you choice, which empowers you to then change it. If you don't see it, you can't really change it. So uh, developing the observer of yourself, it's almost like stepping outside of yourself and watching yourself in relationship, in situations. It just gives you a form of power that's really quite functional, actually. It's quite functional. And it gets us out of the emotion. We're so emotional. We're flinging these emotions at each other and around. And I'm fundamentally interested in growth. And that doesn't grow me. Right. So in the moment... When you're experiencing that overwhelming emotion or physiological state or whatever it is, at first, you simply began developing the observer. You started noticing that this is overwhelming. This is something to study later. First of all, I see my body as a teacher. So I have a teacher that I'm right on board with. And so it's always teaching me. If I see that, I've changed my perception about my body. So it's now a teacher, and it's talking to me, and I'm observing it, and that gives me an opportunity to change it. I don't have to do it right in the moment, but without observing it, I can't change it, and therefore I'm powerless. Once you became more skilled at observing yourself in the moment of an overwhelming experience, what have you started doing in that moment? Are you able to transform something in real time, or does it happen later on? Well, in the beginning, it happened later on. Now I'm more capable of transforming in real time. One of the first things is to not lose my sense of humor, which is deadly if you lose it. If you look at the situation, if I'm observing myself and observing the situation, and I'm feeling powerless, to ask myself logically, am I really powerless in this situation? Can I change what I'm saying? Can I change how I see? Can I change how I move? We all have many options. And then taking one of those steps 
gives me power within that interaction and grows me. Changing the form of something allows you to then give it a meaning that it previously did not have. So you're changing the meaning when you're changing the form. And that gives you a choice to go down a different path. Tell me more about that. This whole model is really about meaning in life. And if I step back and observe an interaction that I'm having with somebody that isn't going anywhere, I ask myself, what is the meaning of that? Why is this not growing me or the other person or both of us? Why are we not moving toward something different that isn't habitual? So you can change the form of the relationship with another person, give it a different kind of meaning. You can change the meaning in a dysfunction that you might have. It empowers one. If I look at the symbolism of a symptom that I have, it changes how I see it and gives it a different meaning. For instance, I recently got stepped on by my horse. I have one or two fractured toes, and I could just look at that as a wound and hop along, and it just is. Or I can ask myself, why did she step on me then? What was happening? How did I create that? And what is the meaning of it? And if I look it up in there are many dictionaries of symbolism, if I look it up in, for instance, Louise Hay, feet are about moving forward. So I'm asking myself in the meaning of this being stepped on, what am I not willing to move forward in? And in this particular instance, it had to do with my stress around the horse being injured and my inability to transform my interaction with her. And it was a real wake up call. I got my foot stomped on <laughs> and it was like, okay, I guess I better change how I'm interacting with her. This isn't working. Hmm. So it's really about function and ability. This whole model is just about function, applying it in the real world to change myself and those around me. So that you can move forward and keep yes. growing. Yes. Yeah. And I find that meaning makes all the difference understanding a meaning or, or attaching a meaning to something allows me to go in a different direction. It unsticks me. Mm. So there's movement. So meaning to me creates movement. You mentioned that the first step with really realizing that we have the power to transform, whether it's transforming our emotions, our physiological state, our relationships with ourselves and with others, is to develop our observer. Can you walk me through what that entails? It entails the ability, first of all, to observe yourself, to watch yourself, to watch your state, to watch your physiology, to watch and even look for what you don't see. And one example is when we trip. When we trip, we were not aware of what's happening. And so to look back and ask myself, why did I trip? And not say it's because there's a curb there. It's because I wasn't paying attention. Why wasn't I paying attention? It's really about asking the why behind the why. I use my physiology as a gauge for what is happening in my interactions and in the world itself. So I'm always watching my, my body and how it reacts mm -hmm. and my emotions, not just, you know, I, I don't separate out those. So my emotions, my feelings, my stress levels, I consider that just my physiology. Yeah, so really taking this idea that everything is your teacher to the next level, that even when you trip, even when your horse steps on you, someone might interpret those things as outside circumstances. But when you apply these questions, you might dig in and realize that there's more to the story that you can learn 
and you can transform. And it requires the willingness to do that. It's not easy. Right. It is transformative, but it's not easy. I once had a friend who, when I was living in Manhattan, she called me and she wanted to go to the movies. And I guess we were dilly-dallying. And she said, oh, Dana, you make me so crazy. And I said, you know what? I can't make you crazy. I, I don't have that power. Only you can make you crazy. I think she hung up the phone. But, <laughs> <laughs> but knowing that if I'm telling her I can't make her crazy, she can't make me crazy. That I'm responsible for my own feelings, and my own emotions, my own state. And observing it is the first act toward being able to change it. Right. And that knowledge at first can feel intimidating, maybe even overwhelming. But then when you really think about it, it's so empowering because then you're not powerless to the circumstances or the people around you. You have the power to transform. And I came to this point, I mean, there are many techniques you can use to learn to change whatever. I'm very functionally oriented, so I just use it everywhere. Instead of sitting down and doing a technique, I just use everything around me because I want to change it in real time mm -hmm. and in real circumstances. Use everything around you as? Every relationship, every interaction, every trip, every fall, every stomp, whatever it is. I see everything as information that's being given to me to learn. Now, one more question for you. Would you suggest someone that's starting out this idea? And since you mentioned that at first, changing it in the overwhelm of the experience itself can be difficult, that it takes time to be able to do that in real time. Would you suggest carving out a certain amount of time each day to sit down and write down the things that you noticed and journal them? Like, how would you go about studying these things after the fact? Well, you, yes, you could absolutely do that. You could write it out. You could just sit and contemplate what happened. The important thing is noticing the change in your state in the situation. You know, I say I file it in my inbox. I will oftentimes go home and think about it or, or write about it. It's a practice, I guess. It, it's sort of become automatic to me, but it is a practice. <laughs> right. So I do it in real time. Then when we're starting out, maybe devoting some time, like once a week, what, what would you recommend? I would recommend at the end of the day before you go to sleep to just review your day and see if you can gain information in your interactions and having noticed your states at different times, just pull them back up and say, what was that really about? Mm -hmm. And do I want it the way it was or can I change it? How can I see it differently? How can I perceive it differently? How can I change the form of it inside of me so that the next time I interact with that person or in that situation, I can do it differently? And even if I don't do it differently, I can see it differently. It takes a long time to change behaviors. I remember once I was working with a woman who was terrified of doing something. She was going on a plane trip with a friend and they were going to a lecture and she and the friend were having a hard time. And I said, well, here's the issue. Go on the plane and just look at it as homework. You're going to interact with her differently. And even if you don't do a good job, at least you attempted doing it differently. And then the next time you can do it again. I mean, it's really, I find it playful. I may be bizarre, but I find it fun. Well, yeah, I love that idea because it makes it almost exciting. Like, yeah. ooh, I want to go into that interaction now with this new mindset. And I want to try to see it different. And, and I have a goal. Yeah. I have an a experiment. goal to change. Yeah. 
And if you look at something like that as homework instead of dreading it, then you have a task to accomplish and it just becomes less overwhelming. If you also know that you're doing it to grow yourself, it's not a test. You're not being graded on it. You're not getting a mark. You're just growing yourself. And so whatever you do, even if there's a minute change in how you interact with somebody, that's growth. Sure. And that's the growth is a beautiful result. And in the immediate interaction, you've shifted from a place of dread and feeling powerless to this interaction to feeling interested or intrigued. And and that powerful. in itself is changing. You've transformed it right there exactly. inside of your own brain. Exactly. And reduced the the power of it and increased your own power within the, the context of whatever the issue is. Sure. And I imagine that that could transform the entire interaction in itself just by going into it. With you know, I used mindset. to work with this little boy and he was in trouble emotionally. And so I would have him write his feelings down. I mean, it's so obvious in some ways, but every time he wrote it out, it changed the form of the feeling from being inside of him to being outside of him. So he then had a different viewpoint mm -hmm. of his own emotions. And it gave it a form that was separate from him. And he could then sort of play with it or use it outside of himself. It wasn't quite so overwhelming. Sure. That explains one of the reasons why journaling can feel so helpful. One more thing. On top of that, he was a young boy. Someone else witnessed it and confirmed his feelings. Wow. So that was really important. Yeah. With no judgment, just the concretizing what he was feeling, he was then heard. So many forms of transformation there. 